Welcome to the iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. This is where we connect with healthcare providers from various clinical settings to learn more about how they are leading through innovation, protocol development, and integration of evidence to provide excellent clinical care to their patients. Join the conversation with your hosts from Medical Affairs at Baxter Canada. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the iConnect with Baxter Canada podcast. My name is Michelle DeGloria. I'm a medical science liaison with the medication delivery team at Baxter Canada, and I will be your host for this episode. As always, our goal is to bring you interesting and relevant topics that impact your day-to-day practice as a clinician. I'm excited to speak with our guest today, Petroya Patterson. Thank you for joining me today. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Petroya Patterson. I'm going to turn it over to you, Petroya, to give us an introduction of your current role and your experience and any um, interests that you have. Sure. Uh, so I am currently the Director of Clinical Informatics at Sinai Health in Toronto. And uh, just in terms of my experience, I've been a registered nurse um, since 2007. And I've had different um, practice leadership type roles throughout my career. And most recently, I entered um, the field of clinical informatics, um, specifically specialized in that area. I completed my doctorate in nursing practice focusing on nursing informatics uh, three years ago now. And um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me and, and how I got to where I am right now. Amazing. I'm wondering if you could expand upon, you know, giving everyone just a general understanding of what is clinical informatics. Sure. So generally, um, clinical informatics is really about, I'll I'll explain it two ways. So your formal definition, of course, promotes the understanding, the integration and application of information technology in healthcare settings. And it's more so the technologies that are patient-facing. But put a bit more simply uh, for people to understand is really that it's kind of the middle of where people, processes, and technology meet. Clinical informatics is right in the middle of that uh, of that point, and it's really about um, kind of bridging the bridging both sides, so bring, bridging the clinicians with the information technology folks, and vice versa. So that's really what uh, clinical informatics is. What are some of the benefits that are observed um, by an organization following the implementation of an electronic health record? Well, one benefit for sure would be um, just the ease of access to information. So it's no longer a matter of having to look in multiple places for patient information. You can look to one source, have everything in one place, and then it facilitates for the clinicians uh, needing to leverage that information to create care plans for patients, and then even from a like a hospital leadership perspective, just a, a great place to get standardized data and things like that to move quality improvement initiatives. Do you see more and more organizations relying on the data from the electronic health record to make decisions when it comes to implementing new quality improvement projects or um, identifying specific areas that they need to focus on? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, even prior to the electronic systems, this would have been done on paper manually. So having it 
in an electronic format makes it so much easier for things like quality improvement. Um, just an example would be pressure ulcer prevention, for example. So now with an electronic system, you have your standardized assessments in place and you can see who came to us with a pressure injury or who developed one in-house at our facility. And then you can track that data and again, see the prevalence within your organization, for example. Fantastic. And I, and I imagine having all of this data um, electronic certainly makes the auditing and the tracking and the monitoring so much easier because you don't have uh, to tie up that human resource uh, to do the mm-hmm. manual auditing. Exactly, yeah. Um, it makes it much easier, but on, on the flip side, the quality of the data that goes in is also equally important. Um, so making sure that your clinicians understand the why behind why they're collecting this information, the importance of actually putting the information in and putting it in, in the correct location so then it can later be used for all these other downstream um, benefits. Sort of picking up on that, what are some of the recommendations you would uh, make to anyone who would be considering implementing an electronic health record? Um, I know certainly based on my own experience, uh, it was certainly a learning process for everyone that was part of the team. And I definitely know that we learned lots as we went on, but certainly started trying too hard, I think, to customize um, workflows and documentation based on the care area versus having something a little more standardized. What Mm -hmm. would you suggest is sort of the better approach, customization or standardization? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm on the the side of customizing as little as possible. And the reason I say that is um, for a few, few reasons. One is because the more you customize, the less the more difficult you make it to keep the system updated. So even something like um, a patch coming from the vendor to correct, maybe there is a bug somewhere in the system, but because you've customized so much, that 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 fix or patch is not easily applicable. Now you have to go in and kind of do it manually because you kind of altered what was supposed to be standard um, programming. Um, I also appreciate standardization because, again, for maintenance – through the years, um, it's much easier to maintain a vital sign field as opposed to three, depending on the department that you're on it in. So um, standardization is always a better idea. And it also um, makes sure that our patients are even receiving standardized care as well. So if there's one way that we do a falls assessment, for example, the organization is using one tool across the house, then every patient that is coming into our facility will receive that same assessment, same level of care. So it's not just about um, making it easier to maintain the system, but also just in terms of that quality assurance piece um, when you put standards in place. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that and appreciate that. And uh, certainly I think both of us have likely experienced it at some point in our uh, nursing careers where somebody, a patient or a family member has said, oh, well, so-and-so didn't do it do it like that. Mm-hmm. So again, um, I can appreciate where standardization would certainly make that, even from a patient family, what to expect um, and what their experience is like, uh, yeah. beneficial. Excellent. For sure, yeah. Um, for the patient, no, so if we're thinking about electronic health records, where do you see this sort of ending up in the future? Do you see 
something that is portable and transferable um, organization to organization, regardless of where the patient ends up or some systems that talk to each other, what, you know, in an ideal setting, in an ideal world, would you like to see? Yeah. In an ideal world, we would all use the same system, (laughs) but we know everyone has different resources, so we can't necessarily all get the same um, vendor to provide our electronic uh, health record services. But, I mean, Canada, Ontario does have the infrastructure to share patient data, maybe not as thoroughly as um, what would be at the facility in terms of the patient's chart, but your your systems like um, Connecting Ontario, uh, the different laboratory and imaging uh, information systems that are provincially um, run so that, you know, if a patient did have something in a downtown hospital, that information flows to that provincial portal so that if the patient goes somewhere else, then their healthcare provider at that point can access that historical data. And it's great because really the whole point of an electronic patient record is to move with the patient Mm -hmm. so that they're not always repeating the same story, saying what their history is, saying what their meds are. It's to facilitate that interaction with the healthcare environment. Um, So the infrastructure is there. I don't know that we're providing as much as we could to make Mm -hmm. the process easier for patients. So ultimately, I would imagine um, if we were optimizing uh, the electronic health record to the best of its ability, we could potentially see cost savings in reducing the re- uh, repetitiveness of testing or um, wait, maybe even improving wait times. Because if I have had an MRI at Hospital A and my surgeon is practicing out of Hospital C, ideally he would still be able to see those records and make decisions without having to do a repeat of that test. Exactly. That's like the perfect example that you could have said. That's that's really what it's about. I've already done lab work a couple of weeks ago and now I'm interacting with a new practitioner. There's no need to do this again. So it's saving not wasting resources, the limited resources that we have. Mm-hmm. And again, just making a more efficient interaction uh, for for the patient mm-hmm. and for the provider. I mean, not having them have to do these additional tests and then prolong care because you're waiting for um, you're waiting for results before you can plan the next step, right? Yeah, so it has so many so many different benefits. Um, what do you see or what impact? Uh, does clinical informatics have on organizational decisions? Um, I would say, again, with that that data that's being collected on the clinician side, just based on what you're seeing in the data, that can inform what, as an organization, you do in terms of quality improvement, uh, patient safety initiatives. Um, I've, I've mentioned already, like if you're monitoring their pressure injuries, which most hospitals do, or your fall rates, there's so much data that you can pull out of the system for those things. Or um, even, you know, your wait time. So how long are people waiting for appointments or how often are they coming back to the ED? And that can inform, okay, what do we need to do within the ED to make sure that patients are leaving with what they need so that they're not coming back quickly. So there's a lot of data points that are available that can inform um, how the organization can can improve what they what they do, and I anticipate that um, clinical informatics is really the the data that you're pulling can either be in real time or retrospectively. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. do you find, uh, can you give us an example of when uh, data would be used in real time, perhaps? Um, I have to think about that for a second. Um, if you want to skip this, we can skip it. Yeah, let me skip that. Sorry, I'll, okay. I'll keep yeah, this is this is the benefit of having Frank because he's able to cut all of this out and, and awesome. Nobody, Thanks, will ever, Frank. nobody will ever know that this happened. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'll go back to the to the list of questions. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, following up on the impact that clinical informatics has on organizational decisions, what about policies, practices, and standardization of care? I know we spoke about the benefit of standardizing the documentation. Do you mm-hmm. think clinical informatics also helps to drive a more standardized approach to the care that we provide to our patients? Yeah, it really does. Um, the thing with clinical informatics, it's about the tool that enables the care. So in your ideal world, you have practice, professional practice standards in place in your organization. You have policies and expectations of the clinicians to do some type of minimum plus, you know, you always do more than the minimum. Um, But once those are in place and they're, you know, you have a solid foundation on the practice side, then your clinical informatics tools come into place to support that or enable it or make it more efficient or make it, um, you know, streamline it. But sometimes organizations use the tools to kind of be an enforcer, Mm. which I don't necessarily agree with in terms of you know, putting hard stops in place so you can't proceed unless you do something or, you know, creating a lot of flags or pop-ups that just really uh, interrupt um, the clinician's workflow or disrupt the clinician's Mm -hmm. workflow. So that's why I think it's it's this perfect harmony that needs to happen where both the practice side has standards established. So whether it's your documentation methodology across the organization, um, your assessment, expectations in terms of timing of when you interact with the patient and when that documentation needs to be entered into the system. So having those standards in place, then the system can help you accomplish that as opposed to the other way around where it's kind of this force functioning all the time. Right, right. Um, When we're talking about uh, standardization of care and ensuring that really uh, I li- I really love your comment about making sure everything is working in perfect harmony. I imagine mm-hmm. that it's really important to have multiple stakeholders at the table when you're looking at um, either creating documentation fields or implementing fields or making practice changes. Do you have mm-hmm. sort of a minimum recommendation of who should be consulted or involved in uh, this type of process? Yeah, for sure. So, clinicians always, (laughs) they are your number one. So the clinical area that, you know, you're assisting with the requests that they have, Um, your quality team is also really important to have at the table, Uh, professional practice, like I said, so the, those folks in the organization that kind of say, you know, as someone working professionally here, thou shall ensure that you do these things. Very important to have a table. Of course, your clinical informatics folks that can kind of understand both sides from a tool perspective and a clinic, clinical workflow. Um, and even IT, because sometimes you need different equipment to accomplish the thing that your um, 
or hardware, software, things like that to accomplish what's being requested. So at minimum, those, what was that, five, I think I said? Yeah. There's, it, it's a lot of people, and I think people forget that, and it becomes a clinical informatics and um, clinicians only, but the information flows all across the organization and it impacts so many things. So when you don't have those different perspectives around the table, you often miss things. So that's why it's more important to over-engage than under-engage, really. Yeah, I I could definitely um, see where that would be very beneficial. And often, Mm -hmm. um, I I know many organizations tend to work in siloed environments. So what one group is working on as a priority may not be other groups may not be aware of. So I can definitely see where that would be important to um, over engage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What would you say are some of the unintended consequences of the electronic health record? Yeah. So there are a few, um, but some of them I'll, I'll just uh, list out a few are kind of a, Overdependence on technology, a clinician overdependence on technology. So, um, an example of you know the computer told me to do it. So, if there was right. clini- a clinical decision support and a pop up appeared saying you know you should do ABC, and the clinician just blindly follows that without you know looking to the patient and doing the assessment and seeing if that makes sense for the situation. Um, that is one unintended consequence. And also in downtimes, so when the system is um, not working because whether it's an upgrade or maybe you lost uh, power to the system and you have to return to paper, that sometimes highlights um, how much clinicians are relying on the system to kind of tell them what to do next. Uh, So it's again, it's a fine balance. The system is there to enable and support the work. But it shouldn't replace your um, your critical thinking. Right. So that's one. Um, another one is the change in com- communication patterns and practices. Because you're in a system and you're you know sending messages and emails or instant messages, if they're enabled to your clinical partners, you have this sense of oh yeah, I'm communicating but you're not necessarily closing the loop and ensuring that the other person is receiving it. So it's kind of an illusion of communication as opposed to true communication that would have occurred when you just, you know, pick up the phone and say, I put in this, that order, please uh, make sure that you attend to it accordingly versus you put in a set order and just assume, well, I communicated because I put the order in. So that's another one that kind of catches folks um, as well. Now, would you... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, would you say in order to avoid some of those pitfalls, like um, I love that example of communication, is it important then to have a strong sort of um, policy or standard of practice within an organization and understanding that, for for your example, if you have a stat order, the expectation is you send the IM, but you Uh also follow up with a phone call or... um, is that necessary? Yeah, absolutely. It is necessary. So when you put these systems in place, they're only as good as the policies to support them. Right. So it's great that you have this fantastic system, but then none of your policies actually reflect what is expected of the clinician to do or work with those systems. So absolutely, your policy should say something like, with stat orders, 
the expectation is that you are informing the clinician who needs to act on that order in addition to entering it electronically. So policies are super important to make sure that the system is actually, you're, be, you're realizing the benefits of the system through those policies, really. Right, right. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other, so alert fatigue is another one. So mm-hmm. I keep mentioning these pop-ups. Um, but sometimes there are too many pop-ups that are alerting clinicians of things and they actually start ignoring them just because they're so tired of that constant, you know, interruption. And, you know, there's cons to that because sometimes those alerts are actually telling you something serious that you need to act on. Um, And that's why it's so important to make sure that you are only having alerts appear for critical things as opposed to, you know, something frivolous that didn't really need that reminder compared to like an allergy interaction when you're doing water entry. Right, right. Yeah. And then just one other I would say is your workflow mismatches. So how we were saying, you know, who needs to be at the table when you're deciding these things. If you don't have the people who actually do that work at the table when you're making these decisions, um, what can happen is that you put a system in place that doesn't actually reflect the flow of the work that the clinicians do. So they're doing one thing, the system's trying to make them do another, and there's just no <laughs> no cohesion. So they would be forever frustrated with yes, the system because was it was just, never made to work. I was just going to say that would, uh, I could see the level of frustration building oh, yeah. um, in situations like that, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been a fabulous discussion, Petroya. I really, truly enjoyed our time here today. And I'm just wondering, before we close it off, if you could provide sort of your top three recommendations for healthcare okay. organizations sort of going down this road of um, either maybe implementing a, a electronic health record or looking at ways to improve their electronic health record, what would you um, recommend? Yeah, uh, one thing I would recommend for sure is standardizing processes as much as possible. So if you're multi-site, for example, um, standardizing across the sites helps you, again, make sure that you don't have to configure the system multiple ways because of the different ways that uh, one process is done. Um, So standardizing your documentation methodology, standardizing your um, assessment expectation, standardizing your you know, the nomenclature that you're going to use for orders, for example. So standardize as much as possible prior to initiating the project. Um, Make sure your clinicians are involved is the second thing I'll say. So while it is technology, it is technology within a hospital or healthcare context. So always remember that the technology is for patient care. It is for clinicians to use So never have any decisions being made without clinicians at the table. Mm-hmm. And um, I would also say just make sure you're considering all aspects. So it's not just um, purchase the EHR and turn it on. It's make sure your policies align. Make sure your practices align with the system. Make sure um, you are taking into consideration the hardware you're going to require. You need more computers. You need more um Tablets, for example, if that's something your organization uses, you may need handhelds, printers. So don't only think about the system, think about all the other impacts that it has, even the wireless um, capability. You're going to need more 
uh, more of that as well. So just think about everything that's impacted as opposed to just, you know, what look what is immediately in front of you. That has been amazing. Thank you so much, Petroya. I've truly enjoyed our conversation today and look forward to when we can connect again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss our next episode. Please reach out to us by email if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. We look forward to having you back with us next time. Thank you for joining us for the episode of I Connect with Baxter. All of the opinions and experiences expressed in this episode are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Baxter Canada. If there are other areas of interest you would like to see included on future podcasts, please email those to iconnect.baxter.com.